Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. And this is an episode in the series Gaily Life. Today we're going to talk a little bit about balancing responsibilities. This topic's been on the cards for a while, but actually it's it's come to our attention because a few days ago we got a puppy. So if any of you have been following us on Instagram at the Atypical Rainbow or on Facebook at the Atypical Rainbow, we've posted up some pictures of our new Jack Russell Terrier. And in true puppy fashion, he only sleeps for, at most, three hours at a time. And that's fine. It's what puppies do. He wakes up, he pees, he goes back to bed. We'd f- we figured out that um, that a warm wheat bag seems to make him feel more comfortable when he's sleeping. But, oh my god, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> tired. I had all these grand plans to do stuff this weekend, to work and catch up on things and finish some assignments and now all I really want to do is lie down and stare at the ceiling so it uh, it just reminds me of back when um when the kids were really young and how we kind of balanced all that up yeah like I think for me the greatest challenge when the kids was young was that I was one subject away from finishing my graduate diploma mm. uh so I didn't want to leave it too long but also I can't believe I chose to do it. <laughs> well, no, it was I don't remember it being a choice necessarily because I think you kind of you had this all this plan to finish the course before the kids were born, and because you know the kids were born via IVF and cesarean, we actually could schedule it reasonably well. Yeah, but, but I think the paperwork was the problem. Like I, I couldn't find the balance between studying full time and preparing for the kids with all the necessary paperwork and stuff. Yeah, best laid plans, as they say. So yeah, so I ended up deferring one subject to make room for preparing for the kids. And it was the most frustrating subject, wasn't it? It was like neuroanatomy or something. It was neuroanatomy. I'm not sure if I particularly chose that to be the one. I think it just was the schedule the one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so when the yeah, so when the kids were five months old and I was very sleep deprived, I studied brain anatomy in great detail. <laughs> And I remember feeling like the exam was in a foreign language, but I did really well in the assignment, so it balanced out. Mm. I feel like life is a foreign language right now. I just, you know, it's it's remarkable how traumatic having young children is to your schedule, to your sleep, to your ability to choose things, and then you just kind of forget. <laughs> you just, just forget, oh yeah, that's all in the past, it's done. Yeah, but having this puppy is bringing it back, it's like... It's like, can I go to the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember one of our friends when she had her first kid was so terrified of um, her daughter crying that she ref- she wouldn't go to the toilet. She was so afraid of going because she was like, she'd be missing out on something or neglecting her. And I don't remember having that thought, but maybe because whenever I was around, you were around. So it wasn't quite the yeah. same, whereas her husband was working, so it was all on her. Yeah, it is a bit different when you are home alone with babies mm. and you need to go to the toilet or have a shower. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think, I think a shower was often out of the question. Toilet is kind of a basic hygiene minimum. Yes, like obviously you have to go. Um, but I think like the first time that I was in charge of the puppy and I needed to go to the toilet, I got you to just look after the puppy while I was... <laughs> In the toilet. And the kids have kind of picked up on this as well. They're they're constantly, like, making sure I'm going to look after the puppy by just being in the same room. It's like... Yeah, but perhaps that's our own fault for setting that standard. Well, no, that's what I mean. They're picking up on us. Yeah. So, we've kind of, yeah, 
had someone constantly, especially because we're trying to stop the puppy from peeing inside. Yes. We kind of, it's kind of for our benefit that someone's always with the puppy to look for signs. Yes, that's right. And actually, look, Zach, the the puppy, is actually pretty good. Like, mm. he, he gets whiny. As soon as he gets whiny, we take him outside, put him on the grass, give him a minute, and a solid 80% of the time, he, he pees or do, does his business, and he's fine. So Yeah, like, the, I think now that we've got the idea, there's only been one time where I've done the taking him straight outside, then bringing him inside when it hasn't worked. Mm. Like... If I tell him as I doesn't pee, and then I bring him inside, he generally also doesn't pee. There's only been one time where I took him outside, he didn't pee, then I brought him inside, and then he peed. Mm. But I think because we kind of had a storm and rain, it got a bit different. Yes, added challenges. And I don't. He, he doesn't particularly like the grass in our garden. <laughs> he just he doesn't like walking on the grass. Weirdly, he's some sort of weird vegetarian dog who <laughs> enjoys mainly eating grass, and we're like. <laughs> will choose a dead leaf to chew on <laughs> over the special made, like, puppy snacks he's meant to go crazy for. <laughs> Some dogs go wacko for smackos. Zach goes wacko for dried leaves. This is not a sponsored podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're just brainwashed by advertising. Uh, I, I remember when the kids were young. Actually, I don't know how much I remember because I was so sleep deprived. But uh, I've mentioned this a few times. My work schedule was quite suited to Grant and I sharing the responsibility of the nighttime. And, uh, you know, as every parent says, the night times were a blur. Like, I, and uh, we, in general, I didn't do the nights before I had to work the next day, so I could kind of sleep in in the morning to regain my consciousness. Uh, but there were still days where it was really rough. And, it, I, you know, I, it, again, the kids weren't terrible overnight. It was every... No, it was just the fact there was two of them. Yeah. Um, they, like, they get night feeds probably longer than other kids, but that... May have been ASD, might have just been that we just were so tired we couldn't force the issue. Yeah. But we, we acknowledged that we weren't ready to train them, and that's why they didn't know it. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think just there being the two of them, especially when they're little babies and they only have tiny little tummies, like a baby on a two-hourly feed is a baby on a two-hourly feed. Twins on two-hourly feeds is a baby every, like, hour. Mm. <laughs> And when it takes 45 minutes for them to feed, that's, you know, 45 minutes out of every hour is feeding a baby. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, it's interesting, the challenge of trying to balance up your responsibilities. Because, you know, one of the, the classic uh, stereotypical tropes about women is women wanting to have it all. But honestly, we all want to have it all to some degree. The people, like, I I know that I've always wanted to be a parent. That was priority number one. And if I were completely honest, I actually really wanted to marry someone rich so I could be the stay-at-home dad. That didn't But that's happen. not what women say about having it all. No, they want to work and and have the, the family and, yeah, it's, it's the combo of all Having of a fulfilling career rather than just something to make money. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you know, if you're well-educated, working at Coles at night stacking shelves is not really having it all. Mm-hmm. True. So I think, in a way, I'm kind of trying to have it all, but also it's kind of by virtue of the fact that I just kind of earn more money than you, so it makes you're, sense you're work. basically having it all in the way men automatically, like, often have it all. Like, that, you know, you have kids and you have the male version of the kid responsibility, and therefore you also have a career where you get respect and 
get to choose stuff. What do you define as the male version? Well, okay, so the male version of having it all is you have kids and then your wife looks after them. Well, I do that when I get home as well. No, no, I'm I'm not saying you're not doing response, but I'm, I'm saying that when women say have it all, they're not meaning that men don't have it all because they have a job. Mm. It's kind of that thing about, you know, people don't ask male politicians who's looking after the kid. True. Male politicians, it's quite normal for them to be, you know, prime minister and have kids. They can have it all because the presumption is they have a wife somewhere looking after the children. Whereas for women, the presumption of having it all is also being responsible for the children, like as a full-time parent, plus the job, plus whatever their own personal responsibilities. Yeah, the, it's it's sort of more about the fact that if a woman has a child, there's an ex, there's a greater expectation that she will sacrifice time to look after that child. Mm. So if she chooses to focus in her career, she generally fo- chooses to not have a child, rather than a man chooses to focus on his career and still has a child and he doesn't really think much about it. Yeah. It's interesting what you said about the, for having a fulfilling career, because honestly... I, yeah, I said I want to be, I wanted to be a stay-at-home parent. So the the desire for a career kind of isn't there, I guess. I'm, look, that might change. That might be different because I have the career, because I feel burnt out. Maybe the, maybe my perspective would be different if it wasn't there in the first place, or if I didn't have the choice to have it. You know. Yeah, I think it'd be easier for me if people stopped asking, "What do you do?" and they're looking weirdly at me. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think it's a challenge to try and balance up the responsibility because inherently being a parent influences all the choices that you make. So, for example, a few years ago, uh, in fact, was it last year? God, time is just gone. I decided to do a master's in clinical education because I thought I wanted to be a teacher of, you know, medical students and medical people. But the prospect of having to take on what was just part-time study, which on its own doesn't sound like much. But when you think about, you know, uh, a workload, plus actually wanting to spend time with my kids, I think it was it was something that I really had to decide whether or not it was of value to me. I mean, luckily, I didn't really enjoy the course. <laughs> and invariably, not having the degree didn't actually impact my ability to be a teacher. Uh, but that was a different question altogether. You know, there, there are um, stories I hear of, par- of parents, particularly dads, which maybe this is a gender thing as well, who are like, I go for eight hour bike rides on Saturday and just leave the kids with my wife. And I'm like, I wouldn't even dream of doing that because I want to be here. Not because I feel like you need the help, but because I want to be present. Even if the kids aren't necessarily actively spending time with me, I want to be available to them. I want to be able to play some Super Smash Bros or, um, you know, play down ball in the backyard or whatever it is that they want You used to play a lot of board games. Yeah, board games is another thing. We're a big um, Monopoly gamer fans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just that accessibility was really important to me. So it always... I always feel like if you feel like you can take eight hours to go for a bike ride... I mean, how much did you really want to be a parent? I don't know. That That's super judgmental. <laughs> it's <hear> super it. <laughs> judgmental. Um, well, so I, I have a friend who basically... He has a lot of children, keep in mind. Uh, but when he became a father, he decided that he was either going to continue on with playing video games or tabletop games. Mm. So he just chose one of them and just cut... So he chose tabletop games, just cut video games out. He's just like, I'm a dad now. I don't play video games anymore. So that I... I gave up this hobby. So he still like, he still kept the work, but he gave up a hobby to make room for a more balanced domestic thing. Mm. And his wife's also 
quite a successful quite successful in her career as well. So I think they were both working very hard and therefore balancing it while having quite a few children. Mm. Uh, so I think sometimes it can be balancing your domestic stuff with hobbies. Yeah. Like I, I generally have hobbies where I am happy to be interrupted. Yeah. Sometimes it is hard to like just watch the news. Like I, like... It's I, funny that you find watching the news a hobby. I'm just, I'm amused but by see, that. I, I think the reason that I say watch the news is a hobby is because sort of Sunday morning, there is an hour of live television I watch, which is Insiders. And today, I couldn't watch an hour of live Insiders because of the puppy. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it was like, okay, I can't just say to the puppy, nope. Hold your bladder, tiny little doggy. <laughs> so, for the first time in a while, I kind of had to miss part of it. And then... So, I took, I got the dog, took him downstairs. He played with the kids for a bit. Then the kids came upstairs with the dog and the dog toys. And they're just, like, chatting and playing with dog toys <laughs> while inside is on. Yeah. Um, and because the dog bed's in our room, then that's fine. And I'm like, okay. I just have to just let go with the, of the fact that I get this hour of live television watching. Um, because you, you were out at Pilates, which is fine. Uh, that's your whole thing. So, yeah. So sometimes I think a comedian once said that when you're a parent, things you didn't even realize were things become impossible. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, God bless, um, streaming and, uh, like online playback and stuff like iview and all those sorts of things, because without it, I don't think I'd watch any TV anymore. I'd just miss it. I'd, I'd give up and go, you know what? I can't be bothered anymore. It's too hard. Well, yeah. Like my, my other preferred news thing to watch is at dinner time. So I've never watched it live. Mm. It used to be before dinner. I used to be able to fit it in. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't making dinner, but now it's pretty much at dinner time because it was so successful. Mm. <laughs> they put it in a better slot, which is just means I can't watch it live. So every day I watch like the previous day's news, <laughs> which means I have nothing to watch on Mondays, but have something to watch on Saturdays, which is a bit weird. <laughs> I think it's also convenient that both of our hobbies in general don't require us to leave the house. Like I, if you were the kind, I, I used to play badminton when the kids were what, like their toddler kind of years, maybe into kindergarten a little. You were bit. still playing it when they were doing swimming lessons, because I remember that there was one time they were doing a makeup lesson and they were in the pool and you were at the badminton courts and I brought them over after. Okay, so it's sort of around, yeah, probably kinder years, yeah. I'd say. So, you know, that was enjoy. I really enjoyed that. It was nice hanging out with friends and getting the exercise and whatnot. That fell away for other reasons. Because everyone else had babies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they decided that was the hobby they were going to cut out. To that's balance. right. Uh, but, I don't know. Like, for the most part, most of the things I like doing are being at home. And yeah. I, I guess it's different. It would be much harder if, yeah, if you, I enjoyed cycling. If cycling was the thing that made me feel relaxed, if it was the thing that gave me, you know, helped me with my health, it would be quite difficult to give that up because it's hard to replace it with an in-home activity. Not impossible, but it's not the same. Like a stationary bike yes. is radically if different. It's a bit about like getting fresh air as well. Exactly. Stationary bikes doesn't fit that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I get it. As, as judgmental as I was about it earlier, I think it's just the eight hours thing. I don't think it was the activity, but the idea of just spending. Well, the, the same day away, friend said to me that like. Because we're talking like when my kids, well, our kids were, um... Your kids, are they? Just when it's convenient Well, sorry, I was trying to differentiate between his children (laughs) and our children as a collective. (laughs) 
So, yeah. It's okay. The hour could have meant two things. Anyway. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> he, he was saying that once he had school-age kids, because his older kids are older and his younger kids are younger, because he just kept having them. Um, once they're school-aged, weekends become more um, sec- of a sacred space. Because at that time, I was playing D&D on a Saturday, but it kind of was convenient because you weren't at work. So you spent time with the kids. Mm. Whereas he wouldn't play D&D on a Saturday on a regular basis at that stage because he had school-age kids. And it's like, okay, well, they've been at school all week and then I'm going to go out on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so, like, when... Like, our hobbies that we... Like, I can't go out at the moment. Mine's all online, but you are going back to going out. Is in the evenings. And maybe, yes, the kids are, you know, awake for the first hour that you're out. But then there's a couple of hours, maybe, that, you're, that we're out... That they're asleep, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, I think the time in the week can also um, become more sacred, also depending on what stage your kids are at. Yes. So, talk about the fact that, like, you used to work afternoons on some days, but the kids weren't at school, so we'd actually do group, like, we do family activities in the morning before you went to work. Yeah, because a lot of the, the toddler activities tend to be first thing in the morning, which I really love. Like, I, I'm a morning person, so it made a lot of sense. Yeah, but once they were at school, their kind of after school and weekends became more sacred, so your schedule became more of the nine-to-five yeah. resembling schedule. And it's interesting about that, because, you know, I've, um... I, my level of job satisfaction pretty much takes a linear dive at the long run in a job. And so I've pretty much changed jobs every two to three years since I've started working. I mean, the first few years was by by virtue of being an intern and resident, I had to change. But since then, I haven't really stuck in a job for a while. And I think um, it's because obviously, I think my life evolved, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, early on. If I was, say, an intern or a resident doing ridiculous, like, 12-hour days or doing night shift, that's not particularly conducive to having a family. Once I got into GP land, it got a little bit easier. But I have been thinking about, kind of, my hours, you know? So, uh, it was important to me that I finished uh, roughly when the kids finished their school for the end of the day. So, I finished work at 3 o'clock. And that was... And, you know, if I didn't have kids, I might go, eh, just work to 5. Who really cares, you know? There was a, a job that keeps popping up every now and then in, um, in like, Visa Medicals, which I always talk about because I like the idea of doing something really boring. I know that sounds dumb, um, but it's because my job is so brain-intensive that just some days I really want to do something monotonous but productive. And But the problem with this job is that it's shift work. So I could be working 1 p.m. to 9 p.m., or I could be working on a Sunday, like, here and there. And as you said, these are sacred times. I mean, not just for me, because I need my rest, mm. but also... These are times for me to be available when the kids are available so that we can go out to lunch or the arcade or something. And, you know, it's not like we do something every week, but it's just nice to have the opportunity. Like yesterday, we made ice cream. Like that was just a thing we did for like an hour and it was nice and it was, you know, collaborative and it was a memory we can share. And the kids, uh, in inverted commas, invented uh, red velvet cookies and cream ice cream. And it was good. Like, these are the kind of memories that I would value far more than whatever satisfaction I might get from work. Yes. Or whatever, you know, handing the kids money would achieve. Oh, yes. Indeed. Indeed. And I guess, you know, it, it, that makes me think of my childhood. So, we've talked a lot about my parents. Um, I guess in this respect, the, the most relevant part is, of course, 
uh, how to balance the responsibilities. So my parents were uh, Vietnamese refugees, so they, they escaped from uh, Vietnam War. In fact, they came to Australia four years after the fall of Saigon. So they lived through a communist regime for four years before they actually could escape. And so for them, uh, it became really important for them to work because they both came off from sort of middle to upper class kind of families, uh, lost it all because of the communist regime, and then they wanted to rebuild that. And so work became a really vital part of their life. Um, then I came along and it was about finding the balance. But I guess the tricky part was that for my mum, and this is something that's taken me decades to realise, she loves work. I mean, she it, it is her lifeblood. She loves the work. She loves the process. She loves being important to people. And over the last few years, you and I have both been trying to encourage her to retire because... I've stopped encouraging her. Well, as have I. But, you know, it, originally it was with good intentions. It was because she was always complaining about how tired she was, how stressed she was. But what actually happened was that over the years, she developed this really good network of people around her. Some stuck around, some didn't. Like, uh, you know, administrators, receptionists, accountants, uh, other doctors, a nurse for, for a little while. And she kind of learned that she didn't have to do it all when she kind of at the beginning of her career, was one of those classic solo GPs. You know, there was no such thing as a practice nurse. You just did everything on your own. And I think that was a lot for her. But once the burden of work kind of eased a little bit, she, yeah, she realised, I don't think she realised, we realised that she actually really loves working. So we've just stopped encouraging her to retire because, honestly, if she retired, um, she'd fall apart. Like yes. We, we also were encouraging her when the kids were younger and there would have been more opportunities to spend time with them during the day. Yeah. But but that window is closed. Yes, indeed. And and I don't know if she necessarily feels like she's lost anything for it. But again, everyone has their own priorities. So I certainly don't uh, hold a grudge or anything. That was completely her choice. But, uh, you know, growing up in that kind of environment was different. I, 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 like, I want to say difficult, but actually I don't remember it being difficult not having my, my parents around. Because after school I'd go over to my aunt's house and she'd look after me between when school ended and when my mum had to pick me up from work. Um, I'd get home, mum and dad were pretty exhausted, so we didn't really hang out. Plus I'm pretty sure both my parents have autism, but that's a complete conjecture and has no basis in, well no basis in reality, but I don't have any facts to support it. Uh, but, you know, they'd go and do their thing, they'd spend their time, and I'd spend my time on my own, which, again, as an autistic person, probably just suited me very well by accident rather than by design. And, uh, and yeah, they just, I don't know if they necessarily had the time for me, but that was okay because I kind of looked after myself. You know, I, my grandma cooked my meals, so all the safety stuff I didn't risk, but I did my own homework. Um, because, you know, autistic nerd. And um, I followed all the rules. I didn't misbehave, except on the one occasion someone stepped on my foot and I said the F word in front of the teacher. But, you know, these these incidents were few and far between. Mm. So early on, I didn't really understand it. And to some degree, I kind of resented it in principle. As a parent now, having a bit more empathy and having gone through the experience of balancing parenting and life responsibilities, I kind of respect the position she took, you know? And I didn't end up terrible for it. I've learned to be mostly self-sufficient in most areas. Yeah, uh, even if it wasn't the ideal way of doing things or the inverted commas right way of doing things, I think I still ended up being okay. And 
if that's the choice that she made that suited her well and it worked out for me too, then, you know. I think it's important to acknowledge that your dad also got sick suddenly and couldn't work and that had some effect on your mum. So I'm not sure how much of it was a choice. Yeah. Like, I guess she wanted to provide you with a private school education. Yes, that was um, a priority for her. And therefore, I guess, her belief that providing you a private school education was the best thing for you meant that she, as suddenly the sole income earner, had to provide that by herself. Yeah, but that I think that illness was fairly progressive and actually he was losing patience before she before he actually got sick, from what I remember. So her skill and popularity, because she is by by every account an excellent GP. Mm. You know, I think all that kind of made, meant that by the time my dad got sick, it almost became irrelevant. Like he kind of be he was one of those really cliched lazy GPs. The you have a cold, have some antibiotics kind of GP, where she was very much invested in the patient's well-being. She would spend half an hour to 45 minutes with the patient, asking them questions, getting to know them. Um, and that's the stuff that, that, in general, most patients appreciate. So, I think... Yeah, but I, I think, like, her popularity was not a responsibility that she had to work more. Her popularity gave her the opportunity to work more, but I think the problem... Like, her financial burdens due to your father's illness... Yeah. ...meant that she had to take advantage of her popularity. She yeah. couldn't have just said, like you do, I'm only going to do these days. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm. What about your childhood? Like, your parents were So, my shift parents workers. were shift workers. Yeah. So, we kind of... I guess, like, sometimes Dad would do a night shift, so there's lots of cute photos of us putting dad to bed like we get up in the morning and put our dad to bed uh, <laughs> reading a story also my family there's a lot of shift workers uh so people missing christmas was completely normal it's like oh sorry someone needs to be at the hospital as a nurse or someone needs to be driving the ambulance so uncles or my dad or something just you know missing christmas or half of christmas was just the norm so, like, my dad stopped doing shift work when I was in... I was probably about the boy's age. So mm. I don't I don't fully remember what it was like. And my mum also took time off. You know, I was the middle of three kids. So she sort of took time off, starting with the oldest, and then I think maybe went back when my younger brother was starting school. Mm. So she was the stay-at-home mum for a while. And then I think there might have been a few years where they were both working shift work, and then my dad took a package from the ambulance service when they were reshuffling. So I don't I don't remember a lot of what it was like during those years having them both doing shift work. I do believe that my speed of eating was because I learned from them to eat quickly. Because <laughs> uh, you never know when the patient's going to need something or when the ambulance is going to be called out. So they both eat quickly, and me and my brothers eat quickly. So sometimes it just... Yeah, it's really weird when I go out for dinner, people, and I just, like, I finish my meal, and then it's a lot of me talking, because <laughs> I'm trying to give them the opportunity to actually finish their meal. Mm. So, I think that's the main thing that I know sort of came from being raised by shift workers. But, yeah, I think, as I said, my mum took um, maybe, like, seven, maybe more than seven years off, mm. um, you, know, as, you know, as a new mum... Of multiple children. Yeah. So that was the choice they made. Um, and, you know, we obviously lived on an ambulance officer's salary. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, 
we weren't at private school in grade three. <laughs> we're in private school never. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I guess we were always, you know, there was always trying to teach us to be self-sufficient. So I went to a high school that was really far away because I was in the select entry program. So basically from year seven, I was expected to be able to navigate my way through public transport for an hour every morning mm. and also get myself up. Like I'd, I'd get up um, and like just say goodnight to my, uh, say goodbye to my parents while they were like sleep in their bed <laughs> sure, <laughs> and go off. Like I had my older brother to sort of guide me through it. Um, and he had someone else, I think someone else from the area was going over to the school. So he had like an older kid, but not a sibling. Mm. And then I guided my younger brother through the process of public transport. But it, it meant that we were very self-sufficient very early on. And we also had yearly tickets. So we could just go on the train places and we lived near the train station. So it was very convenient. Mm. So we we're very used to catching trains and buses, um, basically from the start of high school onwards, like. I think about, you know, the kids aren't meant to cross the road by themselves till they're 11. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I think I was only like 12 and I was like catching multiple buses and trains mm. with just, you know, a 14 or 15 year old as my only supervisor. Back in the day, huh? Back in the day. I got in trouble for going to McDonald's rather than catching my bus. It's like, oh no, I missed my bus. Where's <laughs> <laughs> was <at> McDonald's. <laughs> I'll catch another bus. Because what do you expect of a 14-year-old or, or younger than that? Yeah you, yeah, you get them to catch a bus from a place with a Macca's. Like, yeah. <laughs> they have 30 cents burning a hole in their pocket. <laughs> 30 cents just to get you a soft serve cone. The soft serve, easy the soft serve cone for 30 mm. cents. <laughs> I, was also, I was also telling the boys that um, we used to get one chocolate bar per week. Like at the shop, when my parents went shopping, they'd buy a chocolate bar. And then we'd, we were allowed to eat it sometime during the week. But once it was gone, it was gone. Mm. That was our special treat. <laughs> yes, but that wasn't necessarily a back in the day thing. That was more of a not growing up spoiled thing. <laughs> well, yes, that. But you know, I grew up with less money than you know the boys have grown up with. But I also have friends who grew up with less money than me. Like, yeah, like I have memories of my you know friends' parents doing paperwork for Centrelink. I don't know why, <laughs> mm. but I don't have any memories of my parents doing that. Mm. So yeah, like you know, and we we were comfortable. But obviously there must have been sacrifices my parents made to allow my mum to have, you know, seven years off mm. um, and, you know, have a family of five with one ambulance officer's shift work. <laughs> I mean, I assume there's a pretty obvious answer to this, but do you think your childhood influenced the way you parent because of how you, particularly when it came to how you want to balance your different responsibilities? I don't know. I Like, I've always wanted to you know be very focused on the kids like yeah i used to have my dolls and my barbies and (laughs) Mm. i used to i used to be worried that um i had like these like puppet things i think they're called rigadoon dolls were they the really racist ones no it was the the big it was the big ones it was the big ones and they were like puppets and then i'd feel bad if they didn't have equal chance to sleep in the bed. But I also <laughs> didn't really like to have toys in my bed, I think because of the autistic traits. Yeah. But then, yeah, I, like I was very sentimental with my toys and very like obsessed with caring for my toys. And um, I think, yeah, like I always kind of wanted to do all those things that back then were considered girly things to do and weren't like a male thing to do. And I remember when I started 
you know, working as a teacher, I was of the mindset that I was like, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. It's a good wage. Like it's above the household average as a single wage, which is nice. Um, and I'm going to provide for my family. I didn't know that I was going to then meet someone who made more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember there was one time like we went on a date and I just got like back pay because there'd been some sort of negotiation. And it was like, oh, you know, I got all this back pay that I was due because they negotiated better pay. And then I was like, well, I'll pay. I'll pay for this because I got more money this week. And then like a week later, you informed me that you actually made more money than me that week, even though I had all my backpack on. Because <laughs> you were like, just lovely like that. Like to deflate my ego. <laughs> yeah. Brutal honesty is my brand. <laughs> I put it down to obliviousness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't really expect... But also, I think when we were talking about balancing things with the kids, I was willing to... Like, I, I believed in the idea of having a stay-at-home parent. Like, I think maybe because I had had that, even though I don't remember it much, and I'd seen other people make that choice, sort of make those sacrifices to have a stay-at-home parent, that I kind of... I was open to that possibility with the kids... And also, I think with twins and um, childcare, it wouldn't really have. I wouldn't have really made much money by going to work. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, but I would have been willing to make more sacrifices in order to sort of make it fifty-fifty work with both of us. But yeah. you liked your luxuries. <laughs> I yes, it, you know me doing it fifty-fifty is all well and good, except uh, obviously everything has consequences, and so. You know, certainly early on, I was big on the luxuries. Now, I'm not so sure. I mean, there are certain things that we're working towards at the moment that I think aren't necessarily uh, luxuries for my own enjoyment, but they uh, they have a necessity. Like, we're, you know, we want to move and, and buy a, a house that'll support my parents as well as us, and we want to move into a specific high school zone. And, mm. But it's not just like, I want a new house, la, 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 la. So, if... We didn't have these loftier goals. I actually think I've reached a point in my life where I thought, actually, I could, I could be okay on less money. Mm. But it's it's taken me a while to get here. Like I'm 35, you know. I we you and I met when we were 24. No, 23. 23. Because I think you were at my 24th birthday. Mm. And so, I think yeah, back then it, it wouldn't have come to mind but now I think I could probably do it but because as I said I, I always envisaged I would marry another doctor just because that's who I was surrounded by yeah like you and I met on the internet whereas the the people that I met who I could have dated I yeah we're all med medis and I and, and I presumed I'd marry someone you know on a teacher wage at best <laughs> so and even when we met you assumed that I, I earned the same money as the people on scrubs did which is no nothing. i assumed you were in the debt of an american i assumed uh... you had like eight years of debt and part of that you know was more you than the australian system because you paid your fees off at the time you didn't have an ex debt yes that is fair yeah. Um, again. But you weren't in as much debt as Scrubs had led me to believe. No, no, no. Different different countries. Uh, but I, yeah, I always assumed that I'd also be a stay-at-home parent too. So I, I think mm. we certainly shared that philosophy. And so part of my choice of going into general practice, I mean, again, most of it was because I hated hospitals. But part of my choice to be a GP was because I knew the hours would be flexible and I thought I could give it up pretty easily. Like, it just wouldn't be a particularly difficult process. But the flexibility has allowed us to balance our domestic duties more. Yeah, for it, sure. It's probably giving you more time with the kids and more... 
ability like to go to the same class for like years, like a Tuesday morning class for years, than if you're doing shift work. Yeah, and it, because or I think because GP as an industry also moved more towards contract work, mm. which meant that I was essentially a self-employed person who was renting out a room, mm. uh, and so yeah, that it, it gave me this this freedom that I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, you know, previous generations might necessarily have had. And I was working in, you know, as I entered the industry, it was also an increasingly team environment. So the solo GP practice was and continues to die. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, my mum had a big vision of me taking over the family business. And I was like, no thanks, not interested. Mm-hmm. I watched you stress through it. Why the hell would I want to take that on? Yeah. Uh, but once again, I had the luxury of choice because I, I grew up in a well-off family and mm-hmm. I, I was in an industry that there's, earns quite well and I had lots of choice. So I, I think I was quite spoiled in that sense. Yeah. But ultimately, it, but what that then allowed me to do was was choose what my foci would be. And I really wanted to be a family guy. Mm. That was my priority. Well, yeah, I, th- I think... So, I... Like, I was talking to Matt about the fact that he wouldn't necessarily need to get a part-time job while going to university. And that's not something that everyone gets. Like, this is a weird conversation of a nine-year-old. But my kids are asked strange questions. <laughs> but yeah, so I was talking to him about the fact that if he wanted to, he could probably live with us and he wouldn't have and he wouldn't have to work while he's at university, but we'd expect him at some stage to do something. <laughs> yes. Because we don't want him to be Paris Hilton. That was a weird conversation we had the other night. How he's like, I just don't want to work. I just want to be myself. And I'm like, mm, you can't just do that. Like, we're just... You also want to have children with no partner. So <laughs> Yeah. But he'll, he'll learn more and I'm sure he'll find his... His goal. Apparently, it's not to make me immortal through robotics anymore. So I'm not sure how I should, how should I feel insulted. He's not as fond of me yeah, anymore. Yeah, he clearly hates you now. That's, that's obvious. <laughs> clearly doesn't want to live eternity with me anymore. No, he's, he's good without you. <laughs> but yeah, like, I didn't say it to him at the time, but I think they're also doing a project about their great-great-grandparents. Um, but it made me think of the fact that my... So my grandmother, so their great-grandmother, loved learning... But because of the era she was in, because of her family, because of the Great Depression, she had to, she didn't even get a chance to finish high school. Mm. She basically had to drop out and, you know, do secretarial work. Yeah. But, you know, she's now, you know, 93 and unfortunately getting some dementia. But basically for all that time from dropping out to, you know, recently, she's always wanted to learn new things and travel and... She really has a mindset of someone who would like to learn stuff. But she didn't have that opportunity. Whereas I got the opportunity to become a teacher, which is something she might have liked. She worked in an office, a school office. I got the opportunity to become a teacher by studying for four years. And I got the opportunity to live with my parents for those four years. Mm. Like, I moved out when I got my first teaching job because I it was you know, 179 kilometers from my parents' house. Yeah, slightly inconvenient. Slightly inconvenient. But, you know, I moved out for the first time when I was on better than the average family household income. And I was a one person living in a little apartment. I had, so you know, such money. And that was a difference of a few generations. Yeah. From having to drop out during high school, no matter what your potential is, because your parents can't afford for you to finish high school, to being able to finish university while living with your parents. Mm. 
So we've read 40 minutes and I think I've expended all my brain power, what little I have from a waking puppy. So we're going to end the episode. That's true. The puppy might also have woken up and peed in the corner. We're not sure. (laughs) Something to look forward to. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Hopefully we didn't ramble or tangentialize too much. Tangentialize? That's not a word. Um, Anyway. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It if you were entertained, that's fine. <laughs> Make sure to follow us at the Atypical Rainbow uh, on Facebook and Instagram now with more puppy photos. And uh, feel free to send us a message if you have any to- suggested topics. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.